Hi, I'm Dubba. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF Podcast. Okay, so we've been sitting on this one for a little while now, but for good reason. I met Nicholas Morlinda in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest, and if you follow the Music Industry Events calendar, you'll know that this was back in March, a good six months ago. So when Nicholas talks about an announcement he's making about something that's going to happen very soon, you can rest assured that it already happened and that it went very well. But we've kept this one up our sleeve because it ties in very nicely with an announcement that we wanted to make. And we wanted to ensure that we had all of the pieces in place and locked down before we do. So for background, Nicholas is the founder and CEO of Session, formerly known as Audley, and is basically a member of what you might call the Swedish music royal family. He's half of Swedish songwriter-producer duo Twin, and his partners in Session are Joachim Persson, who's the other twin, with credits including Kelly Clarkson, John Legend, Kylie Minogue, Lady Gaga, Jonas Brothers, Mary J. Blige, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Armin Van Buren, Robin, Jamiroquai... The second partner is Max Martin, whose credits are way too long to list. But suffice to say that other than Paul McCartney and John Lennon, Max has written more number one songs than anyone on the planet ever. And he's just one hit record away from matching George Martin's record of number one hits as a producer. And then there's the other partner, someone we've had on the podcast in the past, Bjorn Alveus, who you know as one of the bees in ABBA. So Nicholas is from a town called Urubro, where they have this great university with a reputation for their AI research, as well as the music school there. It's a town with a really strong startup community and ecosystem, as well as a fantastic music showcase event each year called Live at Heart. Anyway, Nicholas and I got talking about Music Tech Fest and Live at Heart and Urubro and all these shared interests, overlaps and mutual connections. And well, to cut a long story short, the thing I'm excited to announce today is that Nicholas has pulled a lot of strings, opened a lot of doors, and had a lot of meetings that mean that MTF Labs in Urubro is scheduled for next month in partnership with Urubro University and Creative House alongside a Live at Heart pop-up event as the first step in an ongoing collaboration that we're going to be looking to build year on year. We're working with Amy Lutfi, who's the AI professor at Urbo University. We're bringing together some brilliant people and projects from the wider MTF community and running labs focusing on democratizing AI innovation, accessibility and performance. And we're also going to be running a trackathon there, a 24-hour music songwriting and production challenge in the recording studio facilities in the music production department at the university, who claim to have the best studios in the country. Now, As it happens, despite having a brand new album due out that same week, MTF regular Graham Massey of 808 State miraculously had that weekend free in his calendar, so he's going to pop over to join us and lead that trackathon with me, which, of course, I'm super excited about, and we'll make sure we get him on the stage as well. Anyone who's seen Graham perform at MTF before, and it's happened a few times now, they'll know they're in for something really special. And for the trackathon, well, there will be no shortage of experienced songwriters and producers swinging by to listen to work in progress, give a few tips and words of encouragement along the way. There are more details to come over the next week or so about MTF Urubro and beyond, but I just wanted to let you know what's in the pipeline the moment we could say something publicly about all this. Keep an eye on your inbox for more info. So anyway, this conversation that you're about to hear is the conversation that started what's been a six-month journey now with Nicholas, who's been a fantastic champion for Music Tech Fest. Songwriter, producer, and Music Tech CEO, Nicholas Melinda. Enjoy. 
Nicholas Molinda is the founder and CEO of Audley, a connected online music rights platform. Nicholas, thanks so much for coming in. We're not going to call it Audley, though, no, after I'm today, are we? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, we're changing name. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Tell it's, me about that. Yeah, we have been t- talking about this for a very long time. And uh, there is actually a funny name how the name came up because Audrey was born out of a need uh, many years ago, like seven, eight, maybe nine years ago. I needed something like Audrey for my own publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- when I started, you know, with early drawings, with I realized, oh, wow, many more than I really thought that was a good idea. The Swedish Copyright Society Steam said, "Yeah, work on this," and you know, and then I showed it to the great Max Martin, and he said, "Yeah, let's go ahead. I mean, I need this as well." So, okay, we had something to start a company on, but right. you know, at the, at the time, it was just a side project. So, but we got to a point where we needed a name for it. Mm-hmm. I were in Thailand at the time on uh-huh. vacation with my family. My other partner was here in the U.S. And our tech developer was in Örebro in Sweden. So we were in three time zones with a very big difference between us. Yeah. And I was actually in a bar, uh, had a couple of beers. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, we need a name. Yeah. We need a name. And at the time, yeah, what, what every company, tech company at that time, now it's like five, six years ago, should end on LY of some reason. LY. Yeah. As, or wise though, and find domains was impossible. So we're like, yeah, what can we? We're working with audio. We're working with lyrics. All oddly, oh, perfect. Audio.com yeah. was free, and boom, there was the name. Uh-huh. Not so well thought through, but it, it like it was what it was. In the beginning, you know, as a new company, you struggle with your name. You need to learn people. So in the beginning, we were pretty cool because the, I've heard so many weird pronunciations of it. But you know, anyhow. Yeah. Um, but it was all cool in Europe and Sweden, of course, in Europe. But then we got here to US with our product. Oddly, oddly. And so it became so weird, you know, and, and no <laughs> one could even relate to what it was. Yeah. Audio lyrics, yeah, it was a good idea, but, you know, it don't, don't come out that way. So uh, we start, started the discussion about changing name like years ago, two years ago, maybe. And <laughs> Björn Ulvius, which I'm really honored to have as a partner, the Björn Ulvius of Abba as a partner, he actually said to me one time, Niklas, I'm going to be straight honest with you. I hate Audley, but I don't like that <laughs> name. So, uh, okay, so the journey started and I'm like, okay, what should we then name it to? What should the name of the service be? And I've been, you know, awake night after night after night just thinking about it. And then one day, not so long time ago, Boom, it was there. I am a songwriter and producer, and I've been doing that for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And every time I went to the studio or to work with people to write music, I used an expression, and that expression is still the same today. All musicians, songwriters, artists, when they're going to the studio, they're going to session. Right. Oh, and session. Of course, the name should be session. Uh And we are your identifier in your session. We identify you as an individual. So we are even going to skip the .com domain. We are just going to be session.id. That's simply what we're going to do. So, boom, we got it. And we're here in Austin, actually, to uh, announce that. So tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, uh, 13th of March, we're going to go on stage and say, yeah, we're changing name. We know it's going to be complicated. We know Audley is a worked-in name, but now it's going to happen. Right. So, I mean, you've you've already dropped a couple of really seriously big names, the Max Martin, Bjorn, all those. Um, 
and so you're obviously somebody who works at this level of uh, music production and songwriting in Sweden. Um, what's your journey? What's your story? Where did you start with music? I started when I was young. Uh, school was nothing for me, and I h- hated school to uh-huh. be honest. And I didn't fit in. Uh, so, uh, and the funny thing with music, I cannot find anyone except for my granddad that in my family that was you know played any instrument. So, not a musical family. No, not a musical family. Right. So. Uh, yeah, the funny thing is that the music, my parents, you know, they listened to, to ABBA when I was young. And now it's funny that I'm partnered with Björn Olvey, so, yeah, which is be, pretty cool. They must be very impressed. Yeah, they yeah. are actually. Yeah. Uh, no, but, you know, I, uh, so, but music were always, I was, you know, loved music. And actually my mom, she, she has a picture of, of me uh, when I was three years old next to my granddad because he was playing the accordion. Okay. And I, I'm sitting there on that picture on, uh, and he's playing the accordion and I have a tambourine in my hand mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people around like the family was standing. And mom oh, you, sometimes tell me about this picture, like everyone was so impressed how I as a three-year-old could actually play in tempo uh-huh. as a three-year-old. So you maybe that's where when my music interest was born, I have no idea, but I, I so so it started and, uh, but you know, I. I was since school was not my thing. I did, I couldn't even go to music school. You know, I I want I'm I'm a self learning person. I uh-huh. need to learn things on my own. Yeah. When I got thirteen and, and started uh, what we call the Hög uh, Studiet, I don't know uh, uh, when you're uh, thirteen years old, okay. seventh grade. Um, for the first time, I got into uh, like music for real because the music. I started the band when in school. I could get in 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 the uh, like the local. I don't know what you say if you call it like the school arena where there was a stage and a piano. Okay, and yeah. I, f- I I got access to that and I'm stopped playing and I was like, oh, I love this. And every time, even though the venue was empty, I, I was playing for a full stadium every time. You know, yeah. so uh, I was self learn on the piano. Uh, so uh, and then every, they took over everything. So music became my 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 total passion and my po- total life. Uh, and of course, school had to suffer from that. You know, I had low grades, and and when it was time to to uh, apply for for high school, you know, I couldn't even get in anywhere. So it en- I ended up actually getting on the uh, to become a chef. Okay. Yeah. So I was I'm an educated chef because that was the only education that was not. Uh, it, it was practical. It, it was not reading, uh-huh. uh, because I think I have. I, I don't know if you can have uh, dyslexia. Uh, do you say dyslexia? Dys- yeah, dyslexia. Dyslexi- yeah. dyslexi- I I have a bit of it, but I can read. But you know, when I get too much text in front of me, it gets like yeah blurry so i don't know if focus problems or dyslexic i don't know uh, but your brain works in different ways and and it seems to work very well in the in the domain of music yeah yeah so, so that's yeah so i i did the school but you know after after my i graduated as, as a chef you know i i uh, i i worked for two months in a restaurant and then i said to myself i'm doing the right thing and i'm on the right wrong on the wrong place i'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing there's only one person on this planet that can change it because no one else would do it for me. Sure. So I just quit my job. I just got my apartment. My dad was crazy. Like, are you going to pay your rent? Blah, 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 all that stuff, you know. But then I made myself, I forced myself in as an intern in a studio. They didn't want me, but I forced myself in. You just kept turning up until they put you on the payroll. Yeah, that's what, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and uh, actually I worked for free in the beginning. So yeah. uh, I was just there. Uh, but, Afterwards, you know, and now I know the guys that ran the studio, and they said, "Okay, this idiot, we need to like 
paint the walls. We need someone to clean the place, make coffee for us. Let him do it because, yeah. I mean, so after a couple of months in the studio, I was bored again because I was not doing what I would like to do, music. Mm -hmm. But then I realized something. Hey, I'm not at the wrong place anymore. I'm actually at the right place, yeah. but I'm still doing wrong things. Sure. So who is the only one that can change that? Myself. So I started to force myself <laughs> into the studio. And uh, I was there early mornings. Uh, I remember just to be able to touch the console because now I'm, I'm 47. So it, uh, when this, you know, it was like tape recorders and mm -hmm. big mixing consoles. So first time I, 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 I decided that, you know, I need to learn the stuff, you know, because they're not going to learn it for me. I went there early in the morning before anyone showed up. So I was just sitting in the studio alone touching the faders, mixing a song, but I didn't even have the power on. It was just <laughs> me mixing a song in my head and just touching the uh, the faders. So, And that led to, after a couple of months more, I, I said, I, guys, let me show what I can do. And from that moment on, they let me work as an engineer. Fantastic. Yeah. So you were shadowing people or you just took over the studio? Kind of took over the studio. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those guys became my friends for life afterwards. So, I mean, I really appreciate for that they... They, you know, that they let me in. You know, they could have said like, no, no, no. So well, it seems like the gamble paid off pretty well, though. Yeah, yeah. So, so what sort of uh, what sort of music were you making when you started out? Because you, you, you know, you, you weren't just a studio producer; you're a songwriter as yeah. well. Yeah, I started out then because then during all this time when I was in university and, and was educating myself to a chef, you know, I I played in bands still. So up to the point where I started in the studio, I thought I was going to be an artist. Mm -hmm. I wanted to tour, you know. But when I got into the studio, I really found my environment. And, and that was actually a, a relief in one way because I remember, I don't know how young I were, but that when I heard songs on the radio, I could like, oh, good but I could be annoyed over something. Yeah. It could be a synthesizer, it could be a sound, word, but I could not even relate to what it was. It was something I heard that I didn't like. Yeah. But when I were in the studio for the recording bands, I oh, I'm producing. I hear sounds. I hear like, so... So that was really an aha moment for me. Like, yeah, th this is my place. Right. I should be here helping others. I'm not an artist. And I really love the studio environment. So I started out as a producer and an engineer. Mm -hmm. And that led me after a short time to also start writing songs. Uh, because that I've been doing for my band all the time. So Sure, sure. So, so then I became a songwriter and producer. And uh, at that time, that role started actually to grow with what we know, now know as Max Martin and all, you know, production houses mm -hmm. with songwriters and producers that just write songs for others. That was not as common as it is today when I started. So I was early in that, like... Yeah, because the one thing that you hear about Sweden when it comes to songwriting and, and uh, music, I mean, Sweden is the single largest exporter of music per capita in the world. Yeah. Uh, and there are only three. There's, there's uh, Britain, the US, and Sweden. Yeah. And per capita, Sweden just kills it. And, and what is it? Is it? What's in the water? What's, yeah. you know, what, what's so great about Swedish songwriting? And I hear, the, I mean, what's in the water? I hear that, especially from the US, from, from, from Americans. They're like, what's in your water? I mean, you're so... I have no, I mean, I just have my own thoughts. And I, I think that, first, I think that Swedish language is very melodic. Yeah. We talk up and down. We talk up and down and, and very dynamic. So maybe the way we talk also makes it easier for us to do melodies. Right, right. So that is an idea that I have been having. And and then I must also say a more practical uh difference is i mean i've been working here in the u.s especially in los angeles 
Swedes, we come in time, we have our shit together, we bring <laughs> our stuff. Americans, they show up two hours late, work for a couple of hours, and then they want to head out. I mean, right, right. not everyone, but work ethics. I think we're really good at work ethics. Yeah, certainly one of the things I found when I moved to Sweden is punctuality yeah, is quite important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Say I that came show up today <laughs> 15 minutes too late, but yeah. you know, yeah. I, sometimes I it happens even to us. But you've gone from that into creating a tech product, yeah. essentially. How did that happen? So after a couple of years, you know, in this studio uh, that I, I did my internship and I, I met a guy uh, pretty early days and we're really, he, he was a heavy metal guy and I come from, from the electronic background. So we were totally different in, in, in the, the music we, we liked, but we really liked each other and we had, we both liked high house music. So we started to play with some house beats and, and, and that led to uh, a very long partnership because this guy is Joachim, the, the guy that... I today, today run my company with. We've been running the company together for 22, 24 years, something. Right, wow. So that's how we met. And uh, after w when I was done with my internship in the studio, we started our own studio and we, we started writing songs and, and producing music. And after some time, we found talented kids, up-and-coming creators. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? You sign them. So And you sign sign creators, songwriters, producers, and they're out in the world working, writing songs, but for the first time, we were actually on the other side of the table. Before, we had been negotiating with, 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 with publishers and managers, but we were on, on the other side. On the artist's side. Yeah. yeah. But now, I, I was the publisher, and I were, were the manager. So, hey, I, 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 I was so naive at the time. So I thought I could run a publishing company with my right hand and still continue producing writing music. But I realized, my God, what this is complicated. I needed to know everything about who they worked with, the name of the songs, the other songwriters, publishers, managers, art, like it was a mess. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the time when I realized how deep and dark the whole of metadata is, music yeah. metadata. Yeah. My God. That and was, it's a mess. Uh, I mean, even, even with everybody's database, uh, there's so much, uh, like not even consistency of information, which is, uh, no. which is very tricky. No, it's like, and, and, and something really happened when, when music distribution got digital, then something r bad happened because the music stayed, but the data totally disappeared mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the it, data wasn't collected in the same way. So I was there in a, in a situation where I needed to have a solution for this. And I started as everyone else with spreadsheets. Sure. Yeah. But you think a creator will bring out a spreadsheet in the studio? Even uh -huh. remember to no, it's not going to happen. But then now I'm also this is a few years ago, so the dear old phone, smartphone, was not used in the same way as it is today, though. But I realized, wow, everyone's got a phone, uh -huh. and they're using it for so many purposes. Sometimes purposes that not even give them something more than pleasure. Uh -huh. But why not using this for getting the data? Yep. Because I realized that how the music industry looks today or how it will look in the future, there will always be a creator. And we need to capture the data as early upstream as possible, as close to the creation process as possible, mm -hmm. and in the studio. And I say in the studio, sometimes music is not even created in the studio. It can be created in different places all over the world. The creators don't even have to be in the same room. Sure. So therefore, even more important to have some kind of platform where we gather the data. And is your interest in uh, songwriter, publisher's name, uh, or, or does it go to this person played lead guitar on this track and this person was the drummer on 
this song or uh, you know do you get to that deep level of metadata yeah, because yeah we uh, everything because there's two reasons for it mm-hmm. one is credits i mean the, the the dear old booklet we had on the cd times and i mean for me personally that was the first thing i did i opened the booklet when i just bought a cd right. to see well, oh who played that where was it played and lyrics and all that but when musica digital that totally disappeared mm-hmm. so credits is one thing uh, but the same information that we use for credits it's the same information that we use for what we say registration. Sure. Registration that, get, that gets people paid. And uh, I mean, we should not even, maybe in another podcast or some other time, we're going to go deep, deep, deep into how the the music industry works on the rights management side because this is complicated. Sure. And I used to say, like, how can something that is so fun to be in the studio writing a song be so complicated in the end when it's out on the market because yeah. it's super complicated. Uh, but to simplify it, I realized that you as a single creator, you might write a song, you might be a producer, you might be a musician, you might be an artist, but it's the same person we're talking about. But in what we call a song that we hear on Spotify or any other streaming service. When we hear it, we call it a song. But that song has so many different legal aspects. And the same person we just talked about that could have, that could be a producer, songwriter, they have so many different legal aspects and legal relationships to it. Mm-hmm. And we cannot expect that the creators can keep track of all this. So is your ambition to take the the not fun part out of the creation process? Yes. Right. The not fun part, but the oh so important. Sure. Because what I see today, and I've seen actually for a long time, when the royalty statements comes to the creators, to songwriters, to artists, producers, they all, not all, but the majority of them, scream and shout that they don't get paid properly. Yeah. But they're part of the ecosystem. They need to be part of this because without the clean data from the only ones that actually knows the truth about it, because they are. No manager, no publisher, no re- record label can say anything because they were not there. They might have manager and what a, a boring word here is authoritative source of data. Sure. We need to, who, who is authoritative source? Of it? Sometimes it's a manager, sometimes it's the creator themselves, but we need everyone to agree. If, since there's so many different involved parties in, in what we call a song, and, and there's no problem with many different uh, representatives in a song, but the most important thing that everyone involved needs to have exactly the same view of everything. Mm-hmm. Because if we have slightly different, it could be, to simplify, like title of a song. If you and I write a song together, you have managers, publisher on your side, and I have on my side, and we write a song together that we call I Love You. But when we leave the session... I said session, that was good. <laughs> when, when we leave the session, you think the song is called Love You, and I think it's called I Love You. Right. That small difference could end up that we don't get paid because we don't have the same view. We're not disagreeing or anything. We're just mistake. We yeah. don't know. what I don't know. So that is what I thought sort out. And all the information we collect, it ends up in four different music industry identifiers, standard identifiers, because there are codes and identifiers for Mm -hmm. this. So what we do, we make sure that the information that we collect ends up with these identifiers, because when we have those identifiers without problems and disputes, the creators get paid. Right, and in order for this to work, you need buy-in from lots of people. How's how's that? How, how's that going? How many hours do we have? <laughs> no, but of course. So here, I got the idea. 
I got the support from the beginning from many different players in the industry. Sure. And, uh, and uh, they said, this is a good idea because you realize the big problem because we need clean data. And this was like five, six, seven years ago when mm -hmm. I started talking about this. And the situation now is even worse. Of course. So I decided to do it, but with all my years in the music industry, I have so much knowledge how it works. So politics, I mean, it's so complex and you need to draw the right person and that company don't work with that company and you need to say that otherwise, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need some powerful partners that, because success is gives you keys to things. Sure. So therefore, I was so happy, proud, uh, when when Max Martin said yes, let's do it because he was actually the first one in. Right. Wow. He was the first one in, and uh, he said to me when in that meeting, he said, "Nicholas, I know what you're going to talk about, but you know, I'm not investing in companies anymore. I write music, so but if your thing is good, m maybe we can use it." It took me like 10, 15 minutes, and then he stood up and said, "Shit, I need to invest in your company." <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good start. Fantastic. You've yeah. got some some incredible partners on it, and I guess that would open huge doors for you. Yeah, I needed it. Yeah. So, but even though with those names on board. It has been a roller coaster to get to this position where we are right now. And uh, but finally, I think that what we have proven now is that we're sustainable. We mm -hmm. were not here just for for a day. And um, we have uh, also I've learned so much about how the service, what we deliver, how it should be structured, and how we communicate about it. This like you cannot be disruptive because we are not in it to to take out anyone. We just want the existing industry to work as it is right then right. it might be a new situation in the industry on in five years but we just want it we we know that this is a problem we need clean data and that's what we do so where are you at today what's the what's the point in the journey that you you find yourself at is it sort of a big leaping off point to a big launch uh how do you sort of yeah look i at mean we've are? been out we have uh I think we're close to 20,000 users on the platform right now, right. which is too little, of course. We need uh, much more than that. And the industry support has been good from some directions, but in general, it has been really hard. Mm -hmm. And adoption is, is a big problem. So my challenge has actually been two, to get the creators to use something new. And even though, as I said before, creators are screaming and shouting when they don't get paid properly, they're really hard to just get them to use a new tool. Yeah. The response I get, no, not another app. You know, I don't want another app. So, so that has been a problem. And also the industry. Like it needs to be very independent. It needs to be an open platform. We cannot be disruptive. And I understand that industry has been a bit slow, even though they know I'm 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 talking about the right thing. Sure. So uh, adoption, that can be a key for everything. And I, I we use the app. Android and iOS, and we're on the web. But I've said from day one, our front end should be in what we call the DAWs, yeah. Digital Audio Workstation. Where the actual music gets created. Logic, Pro Tools, Ableton Live, Steinberg, and so on. Gotcha. It's f actually, I was surprised when I started looking into this because those companies that develop these softwares, I mean, they are actually the first surface for where the, the music is born, mm -hmm. but they were not involved in the data collection at all. Right. So therefore, I start working on them, and uh, not the maybe the biggest one at the time when I started a couple of years ago, but uh, still a, a huge uh, player is Pro Tools. Yeah, of 
Yes. Uh, Logic and Protos, I would say, are the biggest one. But th- there's so many new coming. Uh, so, but I, I've been working on, on Protos, and, and so actually, when this is uh, to be aired, this podcast, we have been on stage and announced that finally, finally, after years, Protos has joined, and uh, was was previously former Audley, that's now called Session, will be built in into. Part of the actual operating system yes. of Pro Tools. Yeah, because there's been different initiatives and tries of doing this with plugins and stuff, but w- that's not going to work. You mm-hmm. know, it needs to be built in in the in the software, and we're doing it as an open standard. And of course, I'm talking to Apple for Logic and and Ableton and and all the other as well. You know, since it's an open platform. Uh, but so that's suddenly millions of creative users around the world are using a platform that has yes. session built yeah, into it. Built into it. Amazing. Uh, you know, I, I've learned, as I said before, how how, uh, how we communicate. And one big problem and one, I wouldn't say mistake, but uh, yeah, maybe mistake I did was I went out to major players in the industry. I, I kind of said, you're doing a bad job. <laughs> for your creators here's yeah. an app that will make you yeah, yeah. do good I'm, I'm gonna fix what's wrong with the way that you do business <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, maybe I was a bit too disruptive right. so uh, now instead of, of going production directly with, with the with Pro Tools collaboration uh, first we decided that now what's the, the old app that's out today is still gonna be the old app uh, the new version of it is gonna be called Session and it's so many differences and that's the reason why we're changing name as well so it's gonna be a total one white labeled application right. because another problem was I went to ASCAP, PRS, Steam, Universal and I said guys use this third party branded application and they're like why should we promote a third party branded application we want our own yeah. so it's all going to be white labeled so anyone that's using it can brand it exactly as their own app and this has opened amazing opportunities especially with the copyright societies because there's so many of the societies that don't have an app. Right, so, so songwriters in Britain can use a PRS app, yes. and it'll be Session that's the engine for that. Yes, it will be powered by Session, but gotcha. it will be a PRS-branded app. Uh-huh. So it will be much more neutral. So, But then I, I when when um, when uh, Pro Tools uh, joined, uh, I decided I'm going to do this right now. We're not going to go in production. We know that we're going to do a white label application. So what we're announcing here at South By this year except from the name change, is also this collaboration. And what we're announcing is a project that we call an end-to-end proof of concept. Uh, so together with a number of, of important players, uh, going to do the structure for how session will be built in and how the information will flow. Mm-hmm. We will not say to the industry, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it together with them. So I have now gathered a few of the most important players. And when I say end-to-end, I mean from the studio, from the single creator, all the way to to, uh, a DSP, a Mm -hmm. streaming service. So in this project, on the creator side, it's going to be Max Martin and his team, uh, MXM, that represent uh, the the creator in part. So they are going to be part of telling us how do they want it in Pro Tools, because Pro Tools becomes the next partner. Yeah the software, how do we make this as simple as possible? And we are looking at amazing new technologies, how we use Wi-Fi to auto-detect people in the studio, so it's going to be amazing. So MXM with Max Martin and Pro Tools, Uh the data is fed into Session, and we are using industry, music industry standards, something called DDEC standards, and pushing it out, and then we needed a music company to be part of the proof of concept. And there, Universal Music said, yes, we want to be part of it which was great. 
and they do what they need to do with the data that they got from us. And then they are using the DLX standard to send it to the last part, and that's the streaming service. And I asked Spotify if they could be on board in the proof of concept, and they said, yes. Amazing. So finally, here, t uh, actually tomorrow, uh, no, the day after tomorrow, Thursday this week, I'm going to go on stage here in, on South By and for the first time have a vid universal Spotify next to me on stage, finally saying, yes, now we understand what you're talking about. We want to be part of this proof of concept. And, and uh, we're going to do the proof of concept during uh, this year. Yep. So in November uh, this year, it's the big DDEX meeting in Stockholm. Okay. So then we're going to announce the outcome of the proof of concept and then start going in production. It makes a lot of sense to me that Stockholm is the heart of this for this sort of the pop music capital of the world, yeah. really, to be the heart of what goes out into the, the, the com, you know, commercial music industries through Universal, through through Pro Tools mm -hmm. and Avid and all that. So that that basically the kind of the place that gave us ABBA is built into <laughs> songwriting right throughout the world. That's yeah. fantastic. And I, I like to say that Sweden is really big when it comes to writing and producing music. Sweden is very big of distributing music with Spotify, SoundCloud. And now we're also going to be very important for music rights management. So everyone involved is going to get paid and get their credits. So it's very organized and very punctual and everything will be completely Swedish and will solve the music industry. <laughs> completely. Swedish, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Nicholas. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. That's Nicholas Molinda, and that's the MTF podcast. If you want to hear more about what's coming up for MTF in Urabro, thanks to Nicholas and friends, sign up to the MTF newsletter at musictechfest.net slash newsletter. If you want to get involved in any of our upcoming events, you can register at musictechfest.net slash register. And of course, if any of this was of any interest to you whatsoever, please feel free to share, like, rate, review, and of course, subscribe. We're going to be talking a lot more very soon about all of this. So cheers for listening and have a great week. Music.